to Black Hill. Meditation had turned his breathing into a wave. It became a rolling, immense activity within the oceans of darkness upon which he drifted. The dividing moment between inhaling and exhaling softened and became its own territory. At the end of things, the beginning of things. Breathing out laid waste to a landscape and dispersed desert sand into the far reaches of infinity. Each new breath came slowly from a dark well of silence and lifted his soul in the passing, only to roll it like a tobacco leaf. The descending breath would gather pace and kindle the leaf, dissolving his entire being in a momentary flare of burning intensity, then the sea, then the ash. It is, as it has always been, from these distant territories that the dim outreaches of consciousness that the idea comes. He has been seeking guidance in how to reach a clearer articulation of the process of climbing across the frame and into the painting. A portal must be not constructed but nurtured, teased forth from the borders of suggestion located through sensitivity to the will of the landscape. It is, he reflects, interesting and likely more than coincidental that the autumn winds pushing down from the hill seem to be tainted with the warm metallic smell of blood. The Maya replicated their sacred landscape of mountains, forests and caves through their architecture. Their city plans encompassed a scaled map of the three layers of their reality, the sky, the earth and the underworld, el inframundo. Doors were represented as mouths, and within these mouths, sacred rituals would tease at the borders of the other realms. By continuous enactment of the rituals in these specific points, the skin between the commonplace and the divine, sodden with habitual bloodletting, became tissue thin. Behind this increasingly tenuous membrane, the underworld would shift into restless alignment. 
There are three lords of death and nine lords of the night. Multiple calendars capture time and space by multiple trajectories, with their intersections being captured by the long count and made manifest by the planting of stones in key locations within their landscape. He knows the placements of stones around Black Hill, Red Moss, Glenbrook and Lennox. He knows also that this room has a mouth for a door. He looks at the stone in the middle of the floor and the reproduction of the painting against the wall behind. The real work comes from being alone in the studio. It begins as a sense of something that soon can be seen and when seen can be made. He hears Fuchsia slam the door and hammer her way clumsily up the stairs to her attic room. He wants to call her into his study and explain to her the simple beauty of Mayan numeracy. Whereas we use ten different character forms to facilitate counting, the Maya only required three. A dot for a one, a horizontal bar for five, and a variety of symbols each representing zero. So for instance four would be four dots, eight would be a bar underneath three dots, and so on. He couldn't think of their numeracy without smiling. Its simplicity, he thought, was guiding him to the realization that the conjuring of a portal into the work had to be equally elegant, equally free from excess complexity. But he hears her slam the upstairs door and stomp across the room to her chair. Another black mood he sighs, and he returns to his paper and the issue of bloodletting, where hope meets abandonment. Up on the marsh to the north of Black Hill, she continues to stare into the grave, reaching out to the music beyond the border of her hearing, under the hen, a tapping against the inside of a shell. Maybe? In her mind, she taps a child's head with her index finger. Hello? Anyone home? Finley? Finley? 
Murray. So a lion from a broken nest seething with wasps in a mulch grave, through the memory of a girl tapping the head of a missing child, back down across the marsh to a coop where a patient hen sits on her clutch of eggs. Draw the line taut and let the wind sing along its length. Sing a song of Mayan blood carried over the black screens of your unguided meditation. This is blood. This is the bleeding line. With the cord drawn tight, he fastens a series of thorns from a test rose securely along its length, evenly spread an inch apart. He lays an obsidian chip on the table, takes off his clothes, and pulls his focus towards his breathing. He dips the end of a steel meat skewer into alcohol, wiping it dry with a ball of cotton wool. Then he pinches his tongue between the thumb and index finger of his right hand, whilst with his left he positions the point of the skewer next to the index finger and pushes through the flesh towards the thumb. As the skewer passes out the lower side of his tongue and his mouth fills with blood, he tips his head forward. His right hand is now free to take up the nearest end of the string of thorns. He pulls the skewer out of his mouth and lays it on the table, then guides the cord into the hole in his tongue, pulling it through until he feels the first thorn reach the edge of the wound. The first cut from the obsidian chip will be the cleanest, and so he cuts quickly across the underside of his penis before going on to cut parallel wounds into his thighs and forearms. With limbs streaming red and blood bubbling from his mouth, he positions himself between the stone and the painting. His body is going into shock and he is starting to shiver. He stamps his feet repeatedly on the increasingly bloody floor and pulls the first thorn through his tongue. His voice hooks around the edge of a chant, though it may again simply be the shock steering his voice. One by one, he pulls the thorns through the progressively ragging hole in his tongue. He spits blood on the stone and wipes his arms against the glass protecting the painting. This is the blood, and this is the heart of the night, where hope meets abandonment. By dawn, two more graves will appear, and a third, slowly revealed below the waterline as the reservoir bordering red moss begins unaccountably to drain itself dry. And on that next day, it will no longer be she alone at the top of Kirkgate, who becomes suddenly sure that at the point of dusk, Black Hill seems to breathe.